Welcome to Seeking Sydney, where we answer your curious questions about our harbor city. I'm Monica Samioa, and this week we took a deep look into a question that will really make you think. Or maybe not. Does Sydney have a native meal? A native meal in Sydney. I thought there has to be one in a city known for its delicious food and restaurants, but I couldn't really think of a specific meal. Not a single one. I went around and asked a few people about this, and, well, they were just as confused as I was. Uh, not... I can't think of a meal. I feel like when you think of Australia, you think, like, barbecues and, like, booze, but not a specific meal. Uh, Any sort of pub food? Yeah, I think pub food, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, like, parmigiana. Like, I don't know. Which is just like a chicken schnitzel that has like sauce, ham, and then cheese on top. I don't know. That's a loaded question. <laughs> I definitely needed some help, so I contacted the Royal Botanical Gardens and spoke with Balcony, who is an Aboriginal educator. I asked her what foods are native in Sydney, and well, her response was immediate fish. And I think that's fish. And I say that because it's a traditional meat and nowadays when people think of Sydney they think of the, the harbour that we have here and they think of eating fish and chips. I know it's, it's a really an introduced cuisine uh, in terms of you know, fish and chips, that English style. Um, but I think if people were to, to say that there is one food that everybody knows here in Sydney it would be fish and that's what brings us together with not only the ocean here but then you travel out to your fresh water that this ocean sort of you know uh, slowly turns into with the rivers connecting us out here and it's always just going to be fish. Fish have been abundant in Sydney for thousands of years. Early colonial descriptions called it a fish eaten, and shellfish were a big part of the local Gadigal people's diet. The Sydney region was pescatarian or more like paleo which in this day is a very controversial diet. But being able to maintain a balanced diet for Aboriginal people was easy. The seasons helped to give them the right foods and nutrients throughout the year. There's always got to be a balance, and and that's everything in the world. So once that balance is, you know, sort of uh, tipped either way, you know, things are going to go awry. So what keeps that balance in check around here is nature and seasons. So we have, you know, seasons that will give us our sweet foods, our berries, and, you know, sort of like around this season now, uh, spring. So they're sort of like commodities. They're, they're things that you wait for, like mango season around here. It doesn't really start until the end of the year. So people, you know, really stock up on mangoes. But that's how it keeps, you know, its balance. Plants were vital, but they were also lethal. The ones that are a bit tricky are the plants because you don't know whether these plants are poisonous or not. And that, like every other civilization, is trial and error. (laughs) So you've got to, you know, really uh, study those ones. But if they're in their fruiting season, we're, of course, going to uh, collect their fruits. But if they're in their flowering season, that's sort of like a birthing season. So they're giving birth to new life. Generally, we're not going to, uh, to touch them around that season because flowers are utilizing the oils from their leaves in order to to grow new life. Preparation around here, uh, we do like to to sort of instill fear in some patrons and tell them that we do have some killer plants, which we do. Um, In the gardens? In the gardens here, yeah. And um, I think it's the most planted plant around here for some reason. Uh, It's one of our cycads. Uh, It has a a really poisonous uh, pine cone right in the middle of it. Uh, It's so poisonous that if you touch the seeds, your hand will absorb the, uh, the poison. And then, you know, it'll transfer onto whatever you touch later on. Um, But if you eat one of those uh, seeds fresh, it will kill you. 
So in particular, so that plant in particular, you need two weeks. So what you will do with that one is collect them, put them in a string bag, leave that string bag in a river of running water for two weeks, Whoa. take it back out, dry them out, and then you can eat them. It's not an easy task to just collect plants and seeds and then place them down by the river. You would have to develop a routine where you already have collected some two weeks prior, put in the river, and pick up your previous bag and leave a new one, all to make sure that their deadly oils are gone before eating them. Balcony then told me the most popular native foods that are still eaten today are macadamia, finger limes, and of course, fish. Really, the very first thing they did, even before they got to Sydney, was fish. That's Jackie Newling. She has a Lacordon Blue Master's degree and is a colonial gastronomer at the Sydney Living Museum. She uses food as a lens to look into history. So the first fleet brought two years food supply out here with them and then that was doled out in rations to everybody in the colony, didn't matter what your status was. When New South Wales first settled with the arrival of the first fleet, there were about 70% convicts, 25% marines, and a handful of civil servants. Their diet was founded on the same principle the English had been using for hundreds of years, naval rations. Okay, so they obviously there was no refrigeration, so it's what they called salt provisions, so salted pork and beef, so sort of think corned beef or pickled pork or, you know, pickled bacon, something like that. Um, on the ship, they had what was called ship's biscuits, which are, which are like really hard sayo biscuits. Um, you know, but they'd sort of break your teeth. You, you had to sort of <laughs> soak them in soup or something to make them edible. Uh, but then once they were here, um, they built bakeries. So they were given flour and they could either make their own damper bread or take it to the bakery and turn it into bread. But it wasn't necessarily a strict diet. Officers and soldiers brought spices and teas, luxury goods they didn't want to live without, and some soldiers picked up more items along the way that they could afford. Convicts, on the other hand, weren't so lucky. Butter and eggs were really expensive, whereas now they're quite cheap. So in 1811, for example, a quart of oysters, so that's a litre, shelled oysters, so just oyster meat, was cheaper than a dozen eggs. So now most people would see oysters as being a really expensive something that you know you only eat when you're well you're eating out or you're sort of wanting to treat yourself. It's not something you'd have every Tuesday, you know, every night for dinner. Back then, oysters were cheap as chips because they were just there for the picking. Then Jackie said something that surprised me. Um, and in fact, they were being harvested because they needed the, the shell more than the meat. They needed the shell to make the mortar. You know, they made lime with it, so it was a waste product. Whereas a dozen eggs, if you had, a, you know, if you had chickens, then you know they, had a, they really only lay one egg a day. Um, <laughs> that was twelve days product from your chicken. <laughs> Who knew oysters were such a big part of Sydney's history? Jackie then explained that oysters were used in soups, stews, curries, and pies. But what made them the most popular were their shells, as they helped build the city from the ocean up. I asked Jackie what she thinks is a native meal in Sydney, and, well, her answer was not a surprise. Well, it has to be the oyster, <laughs> in my mind. I mean, look around us. If you look at any building built before, say, 1830, it is held up with oysters. It is held up by oyster shells. So it's part of the fabric of our city, if you like. Um, but also it's the Sydney rock oyster, it's, it's world-renowned. It, it has been eaten for thousands of years and it's something that just, it just it, it doesn't divide us at all. It connects us, you know, whether you're Aboriginal person, rich or poor, it's something we can still appreciate. 
The Sydney Rock Oyster, also known as a commercial oyster, is in fact world-renowned and one of the most popular oysters to eat. But plants and fish were also a big part of the Aboriginal people's daily diets. According to Balcony and Jackie, any dish that contained seafood would be considered a native meal. I'll be sure to try some Sydney Rock oysters over the summer and experience what has been eaten for thousands of years and taste what all the buzz is about. If you have any questions you would like our Seeking Sydney team to answer, like why are there more seagulls on the Cockatoo Island than actual cockatoos, or what's the smallest train station in Sydney, let us know. We would love to answer your questions. Go on 2SCR.com and look for Seeking Sydney.